Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Well, good morning again. It's hour two of Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. Good morning. Let's spend a few minutes in the Psalms this morning. It is the 9th of January, so let's turn to Psalm 9. Now, depending on where you are reading Psalm 9, you may say to yourself, hey, it says here that Psalm 9, when it appears in the Greek Septuagint, is actually what we have as Psalms 9 and 10. So if you've ever wondered why in some Bibles Psalms are off by a psalm. It's because Psalm 9 and Psalm 10 together form one of these um, acrostics where there was, uh, you know, a a form of teaching the Hebrew alphabet. And so you can't see it in English because it's, it's not visible in the same way that it's visible in Hebrew. So if you were reading Psalm 9 in Hebrew, you would see that um, the alternating lines begin with successive letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And you would also see that it takes what we have as Psalms 9 and 10 in order for the whole alphabet to get worked out. So there you go. But they um, were divided in English translations. And so today we'll just focus on um, Psalm 9 as we have it in every English translation out there. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. I'll be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High God. My enemies turn back. They stumble and perish before you, for you have upheld my right and my cause, sitting enthroned as the righteous judge. You have rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name. Endless ruin has overtaken my enemies. You have uprooted their cities. Even the memory of them has perished. The Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He rules the world in righteousness and judges the people with equity. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Sing the praises of the Lord enthroned in Zion. Proclaim among the nations what he has done. For he who avenges blood remembers. He does not ignore the cries of the afflicted. Lord, see how many, uh, how my enemies persecute me, have mercy and lift me up, even from the gates of death, that I may declare your praises in the gates of Zion and there rejoice in your salvation. The nations have fallen into the pit that they have dug for themselves. Their feet are caught in the net that they have hidden. The Lord is known by his acts of justice. The wicked are ensnared by the work of their own hands. The wicked go down to the realm of the dead and all the nations, all the nations that forget God. But God will never forget. God will never forget the needy. The hope of the afflicted never goes away. 
Arise, Lord, do not let mortals triumph. Let the nations be judged in your presence. Strike them, O Lord. Let the nations know they are only mortal. If I were to summarize um, the message of Psalm 9, it might be um, that God never forgets. God never forgets. Maybe there are, are things, times and circumstances, even dates on the calendar where, you know, we have said as individuals or even as a people, you know, never forget, never forget. Well, the reality is we do forget. Our memories are, frankly, fairly short. Um, God's memory is literally eternal. God, God never forgets. And so today, um, my guess is you need to hear that. My guess is that you need to hear that God's memory is long and he never forgets. He sees you. He loves you. He knows you. Um, he has not abandoned nor forsaken you. He has not forgotten you. He has not forgotten the challenges that you face. He has not forgotten the prayers that you have prayed. He is working out his perfect purposes in his timing. And we will acknowledge that um, God's timing, God's ways are not often our preferred timing or our ways, but they are perfect. And we trust him. We trust him. Can you trust the Lord today? Holy God, never forget. Never forget us. Never forget our needs. Never forget the needs of those who are afflicted in this day. And lift us up that we might be agents of grace in this world that you so love. In Jesus' name, amen. We have the opportunity to be the literal hands and feet of Christ in the midst of um, brokenness and need around the world. We have been partnering over the course of years with an organization called One Child. And in the coming days, actually next week, we're going to spend a couple of days raising up champions for children around the world um, through child sponsorship and One Child. And Happy Wanjay is going to join us now. Um, He is the Mobilization and Program Support Director in Africa for One Child. And we're going to get to hear um, Happy's story and, well, just frankly, celebrate that someone thought it was a good idea to name a child Happy. Mm -hmm. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. We love and appreciate the ministry of One Child. And so it's, um, it's always a joy to meet people who are working on the front lines of one Child's Ministry. Happy Wanjay joins us now. He works um, in the continent of Africa on behalf of One Child, mobilizing and supporting um, those who are working directly with kids in the Hope Centers. Happy welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so much, Carmen. It's a privilege and a great honor for me to be a part of this program. So I want to know about the people who thought um, that they would name their child Happy. Uh, you know, that's a name from my tribe, by the way. And when I was growing up, uh, having to go to school, well, learning English, I started spelling it H-A-P-P-Y. And my father spelled it the same way. But later on, when I started going back, asking questions, well, where is this name from? And I went back to my grandparents who did not go to school I said it cannot have been an English name. It must be spelled maybe in Kiswahili, which is the official language of Kenya. So I changed from spelling it from spelling H A P P Y 
to simply H-A-P-I. No, and I love it. And um, so describe maybe a little bit of your own growing up. Um, You obviously work now with children who are um, in poverty, some of them in extreme poverty. Um, Talk a little bit about how you yourself grew up. Thank you, Carmen. Uh, I'm the fourth born in a family of nine children. My parents, both mom and dad, are deceased. And one sister and brother are also gone. And uh, so the remaining are still alive and active, and we thank God for that. My father was a bivocational preacher. My mother was a housewife and basically did all jobs to support the family. And uh, I know what it means to grow up in poverty because that's where I found myself. So when I think about the children I work with, to me, it's a mirror of myself. It's a mirror of my journey and my life because I too grew up in the same same situations. Uh, When I hear them talking about, hey, I have gone without a meal, I know because I know what it means to go without a meal. I know what it means to go to school and be sent home because your parents have not paid the tuition that is necessary. And I know what it means to sleep with the night sky open, the blue sky, and when it rains, it pours right where you are because, well, the roof is torn, the thatched roof is uh, old, and water just comes straight to where you are lying in bed. And, uh, of course, I know what it means to walk barefooted. Yeah, so when I see the kids in our hop centers walking barefooted, I know because the first pair of shoes that I wore common, I wore when I was going to high school. It was a requirement. Mm-hmm. You're going to high school, you need to have a pair of black shoes. And a missionary teacher gave me that pair. And it was larger than my feet, but that's what I had. And I bless the Lord for that. So I know what it means to be without. We're talking with Happy Wanjay. He is the Senior Regional Program Support Manager for Africa for One Child. We are partnering again with One Child. And next week, we are going to be um, spending a couple of days inviting you um, to consider sponsoring one child, becoming a one child champion. Every child in poverty needs a champion, and we're going to invite you to be one. Um, you have very eloquently just now described for us what um, what children are facing. Um, I'm wondering if you could help us in the United States and Canada and people listening in, in other developed countries right now um, maybe help us understand what's it, what it's like for the moms and the dads. Um, because at one level, we could imagine that it might be very, very difficult for them to have their child be sponsored and attend a Hope Center. But on the other hand, I could also imagine it would be a great gift to them. Can you talk about what life is like for moms and dads and, um, and how the Hope Center helps alleviate some of the pressure um, from them? Yeah, for when I think about the mom, the mothers and the fathers who are living in poverty, and maybe here is an opportunity. First of all, 
I would say as a parent, I think there's a bit of shame when you look at yourself and you feel like, hey, my neighbor's children are being catered for, but I'm not able to do that for my own children, you know? Mm-hmm. You see yourself as a failure and uh, you feel like, well, maybe I'm a, I'm a misfit. And sometimes your self-esteem goes down. And uh, I would say, really, being in that place of poverty, it is a, is a disease worse than cancer from where I sit. Because when you're there as a mother, a father, and you have this child or children that you're not able to cater for, and you're thinking, or probably happy standing outside this, looking at this family, yeah, it's a disease that can be passed on to the second, third, fourth generation. So you can find a family that is totally lost into poverty, generation one, generation two, generation three and four. But uh, I would also look at the other side, you know, and trying to help the U.S. understand what is going on in the minds, what is going on in the minds of this parent who is expecting their child to be registered and to be supported. For me, I see a parent who is holding to hope or a Mm -hmm. child who is holding on to hope, even when there is no hope to hold on to. And this is painful. I would imagine as a child, this is very, very painful. And I go back to my own story. You know, when my father became a preacher, he left a government job that was fairly stable. He knew that at the end of the month, there was money coming in. So as a child, I really struggled with that. I used to ask myself, what kind of a father would leave a stable job, stable employment and follow this Bible And here he's happy trying to go to school. He cannot stay in school throughout because his fees are not catered for. Here he's happy. There is no meal. He is happy the school school uniform has windows at the back because it is torn. So I struggle with that because, I mean, as a child, I just don't understand. And I can imagine the children who are looking forward to be supported find themselves there. They are holding on to hope. That is hope against hope. But I would say they go to sleep saying, well, tomorrow might be better. Tomorrow there will be breakfast. Tomorrow there will be a meal. So as a father or a mother, you pray and you pray and you say, wow, maybe the Lord will turn things around. And of course, for those of us who work with one child, we help these parents know. And we try to tell them, you know, there are so many other organizations out there that are looking for sponsors. One child is just one of them. So we teach them, please pray and pray and pray. Because when you think of a child who is in a hard place, you want the intervention, God to answer that prayer sooner than right now, you know. So sometimes uh, I'm thinking about these children, they're looking at others who are going to school and they're wishing that, hey, when will I go to school? And when they go to school, they're asking themselves, will my attendance be consistent or will I will go? And then uh, two weeks down the road, I'm sent home, you know, just Mm -hmm. because the father and mother are not able to 
even buy the little things, a pen, a book, you know, the development funds, you know, uh, a school uniform, just small things like that. Uh, those that are holding some of these children not to be able to consistently sit in a, sit in a classroom. Mm-hmm. So there are so many things that I, I could say, but uh, those are just the examples of some of the situations that our children find themselves in, but also the situations and the environment that our parents and our mothers find themselves in. That's so helpful. We're talking with Happy Wanjay, Mobilization and Program Support Director in Africa for One Child. We're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. I would like you to bring into mind right now one child. Could be any child. Um, what do they need? What do they love? Um, what are your hopes for them? We're going to talk about how we can bring hope um, to one child who is living in extreme poverty today. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Jesus loves the little children. You guys know that. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. And right now, there are little children in the world who need Jesus. They also need things like basic food and medical care. Jesus tells us that what we do for the least of these, the little ones, we do for him. So this is your time to become the champion of one child, to change their life. When you sponsor just one child, you plant seeds of hope, and you work together with people who are on the ground to change the families, the communities, the future. You might not feel like you could change the world, but you can for one child. Meet the kids and find your child at MyFaithRadio.com. We're talking with Happy Wanjay, Mobilization and Program Support Director in Africa for One Child. Happy, um, when you when you think about um, One Child, um, what do you love about it? What do you what do you love about child sponsorship or what's happening at the Hope Centers? Um, the transformation that you see in the lives of particular children. Ah. Uh. When I think about the transformation of the particular children, and I will come back to the question why, why I love one child. One of the things that I may not have, I mean, I didn't say it, but when I talked about my own personal journey, my high school was made possible because of this family in England that supported me. Mm. When I went to university in the U.S., it is because of, of a family in Little Rock, Arkansas, that supported me. So when I think about what value, wow, I am a good example. But uh, let me talk about two examples that come quickly to mind. December 22nd, a few weeks ago, about two weeks ago, we were home in the coast of uh, Kenya, and we stopped, we stopped at a grocery store with my wife uh, to buy a few items. And as we went in, this young man follows me and stops me and greets me and says, hey. Uh, well, of course, this young man was dressed in a security guard uniform. So basically he works in ensuring that things are in order at that grocery store. So he approached me and he asked me, hey, do you remember me? Of course, I could not remember who he was. <laughs> he proceeded to ask me, hey, are you happy, Wanje? And of course, I'm a bit careful. I don't know who he is. 
But anyway, I said, yes, I am happy, Wanji. He said, uh, do you know that I was sponsored by the Rivers of Hope, Hope Center? And so, of course, I got excited. And uh, he told me his name is Jali. said, wow, that is amazing. Of course, I teased him. I said, wow, you owe me a soft drink, so make sure you buy me a soft drink next time. <sighs> but of course, living there, after I left there, in my mind, I was reflecting and I was telling myself, this young man called Jali is probably married. He's not the CEO of this supermarket or grocery store, but here he is. He's confident. He's able to come and even connect with me without any fear. He's able to, to chat and carry out a discussion. And I said, probably he will go home to his family. He will be able to provide for his family. And to me, that blessed my heart. But another example is of uh, a young man called Sylvester. Sylvester is a young man. I probably took his photo when he was 10 years old, entering the program at MRT Hope Center. So when you speak to Sylvester, he will tell you, and he told me, happy, my family was worse than worse when I joined the Hope Center. We were in deep, deep poverty. Going two days without a meal was common. And of course, here uh, you hear the, the common, the main food is called ugali, which is a cornmeal mash. But you need to make it. It's like grits, but you need to have it with some stew of some sort. But when you, you don't have enough, just having the grits without some stew is a blessing. And you push it down with water and you say, well, thank God we have a meal. So Sylvester threw the Hope Center was introduced to the Word of God. And he says that gave me a foundation to stand on. His social skills were nurtured. He was helped to model his life according to God's Word. And to me, that was marvelous. And through the Hope Center, his mind was opened. Because at the Hope Center, kids are given the opportunity to interact, to be exposed, to access information that otherwise in your village you will not get this information. And then when you think about the child champions at the Hope Center, speaking hope into his life, oh, Sylvester says that gave me courage to say, one day, one day I will change the story of my family. Mm. So through the Hope Center, he went to school. He attended a course here, a short course here. Right now, he's employed by county government of the area he's coming from. And he says, today... I am supporting my parents. Mm. Today, Amen. I have siblings that I'm helping educate. And uh, last year, Sylvester and a few of the alumni from that Hope Center just took a moment to pause. And they said, we want just to pause, bring Happy and others from one child, our community, the other Hope Center Hope centers. We want to bring them to this hope center. And we just want to do one thing. We want to tell them, thank you. And we want to tell them, this thing works. This sponsorship thing works. Today, Sylvester is a member of the Hope Center Committee. He's providing leadership. 
and overseeing the program that supports other children. And definitely, together with the other students, they have a desire to ensure that other children are assisted through the various programs that are being offered at the Hope Center. Now, let me go to the other part of the question. Why do I love one child? Uh, there are so many words I can use, Carmen. But one thing that I love about one child is that we are true to our mission. Mm. As a global community of child champions, we advocate for children. <sighs> we advocate for children in hard places and provide holistic care so Happy. that they have hope. Yes. Oh, go ahead. Hey, I'm sorry. I just kind of broke down a bit. There. You're okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So that they have hope and thrive. That is why we have people, young people like Sylvester. We are true to our mission. The other thing I love about one child is because of the people. One child is one child because of the people who are in one child. We are a family. And I love one thing about one child. We are not ashamed to say we are God-centered and God is the center of everything that we do. The other thing I love about one child is the consistency of our message, the consistency of our character, our humility. Last year, Carmen, I met a gentleman here in Nairobi he has a ministry that he works with here in Nairobi. He had just attended a meeting that was hosted in Colorado Springs by one child. And he, will, he had the honor of meeting our president, Dr. Scott. He was so, so impressed in the person of Dr. Scott. Soon after, while in Colorado, he was able to meet another staff member in Colorado. And he said he was blown away by the character of the staff, the humility of the staff. Of course, soon he was headed to Nairobi, and I'm sure, of course, we had connected, we had interacted, and he knew he was going to meet somebody called Happy. And uh, I am sure in his mind, <laughs> he was saying, I don't know about this African, but I have met the president, I have met somebody else, and he was blown away by the character and humility. So, Carmen, I was humbled when he said he saw the same consistency when he met me. Character, humility. And all I can say, Carmen, is we can only thank God for that. Mm -hmm. That's why yeah. I love one child. Happy. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. More importantly, thank you for allowing God to use you in this critical ministry. Thank you for being tender-hearted. Thank you for being um, tough-minded. Thank you for being a person who is on mission. Um, and yes, thank you so much for um, for your for your humility and the consistency with which you um, carry out this this critical gospel ministry. So thank you for your partnership in the gospel. That's Happy One Jay. He's the Mobilization and Program Support Director in Africa for One Child. Faith Radio is partnering with One Child. 
Um, every child needs a champion. Um, could you be the champion for one child? We'll be talking about this more in the coming days and, um, and weeks. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Benita Reisner is joining us today, among other things. She is the author of Walking Through the Fire. She's the creator of Helping the Hurting. You can find her, connect with her, and the resources we're talking about today at Vanitha.com. Vanitha, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. Okay, let's talk about the practice of choosing a word for the year. I can tell you right now that we have a new listener, Andrew, Andrew's been with us for less than a year, and so he doesn't know anything about the conversations we've had in the past about choosing a word for the year. He'd never heard of such a thing. So um, introduce Andrew and reintroduce the rest of us to this practice of choosing a word for the year. Yes. Um, Well, I started choosing a word for the year about, um, I think, about 15 years ago, and it was... um, it really helped me because I used to have a lot of New Year's resolutions and just trying to figure out how to do things. And somebody actually on the radio um, mentioned a word for the year. And I thought, wow, that could really help me sort of reorient things on a daily basis versus, you know, just keeping that word in front of me versus a lot of different things that often were unrelated. And I would forget them. And so the work for the year has helped me really start focusing on one thing and really praying every day that God would help me bring that about. Because when I think I can do it myself, I can't, but it is on my prayer card for myself and just something that God has been able to um, keep on the top of my mind. But the interesting thing, Carmen, is I don't know if I ever really live into that word very well. At the end of the year, when I look at the year, I think, oh, wow, I I wish I had another year with that same word. So that's... And in in 15 years, have you ever circled back to the same word? Well, the first two, I mean, the first year that I did it, my word was encourage and um, Mm. really to encourage my kids. And I did such a bad job, Carmen. I felt like they were (laughs) super discouraged. So I did it another year, but I really wish I could say, wow, I really nailed it. And what I appreciate is that God wants just incremental change and not wants, but I mean, God helps us with incremental change in our lives and we want this huge change. So I, I, I decided, okay, I could do encourage every, every year for the rest of my life, but maybe I can, you know, just rest in that and, 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 ask God for another word. So I have not, ever since my two years of encouraging um, or trying to encourage, I have not gone back to the same word. Although- Can you give us, oh, go ahead. Can you give us some examples of some of the words that um, you have focused on over over the course of these years? Yeah. Well, one year it was charitable, I remember, because I noticed my internal dialogue and it is not super charitable. I remember being in the airport and, you know, somebody was sneezing. I was like, why are you, why are you sitting so close to me? I mean, there was just so many things that I realized how critical I was. And I really wanted the Lord to help me change that internal dialogue. And 
as well as external, but a lot of it is what is my attitude towards people that I may not say, but really am thinking. So that was one gear. And um, one year I had the word saber, um, enjoy mm. every moment that God was giving me. Um, last year I had love well, uh, because I feel like I can often forget to love well, meaning how does that person want to be loved versus what's a convenient way for me to love people. And that was helpful for me as there's just people in my life that are going through hard things and just really praying and thinking, how can I be there for them? Uh, what can I do? So that that was last year's word. Um, I'm trying to think. I had available. That was a tough word for me. One year, I was like, Lord, I, I really don't love this word because I like to slot things into my availability. And I was sort of giving to the Lord, help me be available to other people and to you and see all the interruptions in my life as brought by you so that I won't like stick to what I think I need to do. And that was a very, that really reoriented me in a lot of different ways and, and was very good. But I, I was happy to move on to another word because I kept thinking whenever I was yeah, just pressed like, God, am I available? And But it's good because even in you asking that question, it reminds me, it's not like we put aside those things and say, okay, I don't need to be available anymore. Or I don't need to save her life. It, it really is sort of a cumulative, uh, you know, I need to do those things. You know, we focus on different things, but we we give it all to God and remind ourselves that God is the one who works in us. And yet this word can really help us in the moments when we're not sure what to do. And I find that God has used the word that I, I choose each year, which I perfectly choose, in a lot of ways I would never have expected. And so it feels like this conversation with God and me on a daily basis, like how, for this year, um, it's abide. And it's like, how do I abide today? Mm, mm. So I find that it it increases my conversation with God when I look to that word and say, like, how do you want to bring this word about in my life? There is a, um, a quiz that you can take if you're listening right now and you're like, I, I'd like help finding a word. Um, Day Spring has a, uh, a word of the year quiz posted. We could send you that link directly. It's at dayspring.com, but I'm happy to send you the your word quiz um, if you're thinking to yourself, I, I'd like a word for the year. I don't really know how to go about landing on one. We're talking with Vanitha Reisner. She's got several posts on her website about this practice over the course of years and a current one. Um, and the, the current one is a word for everyone who feels laid aside. Um, and so I want to talk specifically about um, how God is teaching you to pay attention to small things and um, and your word for this particular year, which is abide. But let me just give um, folks a little bit of a sampling here. Your word, um, like Vanita said, it might be the word encourage or charitable. It might be the word rest or less. It might be the word peace or blessed. She offered up savor or love well. But maybe it's hope or beauty. Maybe, as Vanita has said, the word might be available or abide. The word might be focus or small. 
What we're encouraging you to do is to consider focusing your attention on a particular word over the course of the year, to find all the things that God has said about that word in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, to pray that word, to to, I mean, one of Vanita's practices that I just love is to, you know, take little letter blocks and just spell the word out and put it somewhere that you will see it every single day. I have another friend who just writes her word uh, in dry erase marker on her mirror so that it's the first thing that greets her every morning and the last thing that she sees before she goes to bed at night. It's helping her pay attention to that one word um, as her word for the year. So if this is a practice um, that you have engaged in, we'd love to know what your word is. You can text me at 877-933-2484. And uh, if you've, you know, if you've got questions about this or you want the link for the, uh, for the quiz or for Vanitha's post, just uh, text me as well and I'll shoot those out to you. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We're going to continue our conversation in just a moment with our friend Vanitha Reisner. Um, we're talking about a word for the year, how you choose one and then how you live into it. Vanitha's word is abide, and we're going to unpack that next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, host of Mornings with Carmen. I got some good news for you today. Jesus Christ is the good gift of God to each and every person. We heard the proclamation of Christmas that there's this good news of great joy for all people. Well, guess what? That means you. Jesus is the good news. He is the gift of God given at Christmas. And maybe you're saying, I don't feel so good. I haven't really received this sense of good news. Well, we would invite you to wake up to the goodness of God with 40 Days Toward Healing and Wholeness. It's Susie Larson's brand new book. Our friends over at W Publishing gave us 100 copies for Christmas to give away to you. So we'd invite you to enter to win yours now at MyFaithRadio.com. Wake up to the goodness of God, 40 days toward healing and wholeness, because Jesus really is the good news and the great joy for all people. Connecting Faith to Life, Faith Radio. All right, I'm excited um, that there are going to be lots of you taking this uh, quiz at Dayspring.com to identify your word uh, of the year. So Liz and uh, and Margaret and Steph uh, and Kim, Mary, let us know what word uh, is produced. Paul took the quiz. And and Paul, what, uh, what word did Dayspring say uh, you ought to be focused on this year? Well, I don't know if it's going to be the one I choose, but they said imagine, which, you know, I, I like the word, but I don't know if that's the key thing on my heart this year. I- I know, but I'm going to haunt you with it. I'm okay. I can only imagine, yeah. <laughs> I have made a note. Paul's word is imagine. Uh, Vanitha <laughs> Reisner is with us. Her word for the year is, drum roll. What is it? What is it, Vanitha? Uh, it is abide. Okay. How did you land on that word, and what is God already unfolding in it? Well, well, you know, part of that word was from last time when I was on your show and I was sharing about John 15 and just fruitfulness and, um, you know, John 15 is a lot about abiding and fruitfulness and how I had felt for a lot of 2023 very useless. I have been dealing with a lot of health issues and um, had COVID for a long time or uh, the effects of it. And felt useless. And so reading and just kind of very laid aside and then reading John 15 just made me see like abiding in Jesus is what 
brings us fruit, but the fruit isn't fruitfulness the way we see it. It's the fruit of the spirit. It's really true fruitfulness, which is, you know, displaying the qualities of God. And so that has, you know, that was something that I had just really been thinking about when I was on your show. And so then even after being on the show, I just was praying about it. And I thought, this is, this is really the word that God, God has for me this year. So that was really um, neat for me. It was also a tough word, to be honest, because it feels to me like a year of um, maybe diminished capacity more and relying on God more. And I'm not one of those people that really loves that. I like to to get it done. And so it felt like God was inviting me into sort of smallness and every day just completely being hidden in Him and trusting in Him. And um, I don't often welcome that, even though I know it is an amazing place to be in. Um, and yet that is where God meets us. So it was it was not a word that I was like, yes, I can't wait to do this word. Um, and yet there's been a real sweetness in it. Um, it was really neat because you asked what God has been doing since then. And um, was just been dealt with a bunch of loss even since um, I came on the show with that word, some more physical things. And then like termites are eating my um, mm. our garage, we found out like they're going to have to rip it out. And um, moths, we had moths in my closet and all my great, mm. everything I have that's wool has little, not everything, but a lot of them have little holes in them. And just, you know, it's just such a vivid picture, really biblically about a foundation and, you know, don't tr- lay up your treasures on earth and moth and rust destroy. And so I was sort of asking God, like, why is all of this happening? This all happened in December, like when I was already not feeling well. And just in some ways asking God, like, why are you like abiding? Because I had already decided maybe that was going to be my word. Like, I'm not loving what this fruit is coming from abiding. Like, it seems like, God, you're bringing harder things in or more things in. And it was just so neat, just as I was reading scripture and I was reading in Haggai, I I, I don't even know how to say that. Haggai. And um, there was a reference to Hebrews. Um, and then I pulled open Hebrews and I just felt like this was God. And it said, um, it says this once, yet this phrase yet once more indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And I've been really pondering that because the word, um, the things that cannot be shaken may remain. The word remain is abide. It's the same word in Greek. And I didn't know that, and yet I felt that God was saying part of abiding is is really seeing that I may shake the things that can be shaken so that what is unshaken remains. And that is what is going to pull you deeper into me. And just, I think every time we see a purpose to our suffering, we see that, wow, God is in this. This is not this random termites and moths and health and all of these things. This is purposeful. God is doing something for my joy, for my faith in this. So it it really has kind of given me even more of a depth of 
understanding of abide and not necessarily saying, yay, I I can't wait for this, but recognizing, wow, there's so much good in this. And it's interesting. I feel like with suffering, we don't have to say, wow, I, I can't wait for suffering. I don't think that we see that anywhere in the Bible. And yet when God brings it, we recognize what a sweetness that brings. And so that's sort of how I see abide for me is, okay, God is pressing me deeper into him. And sometimes I think, uh, I'd be okay being a little more independent. And yet what God is doing in my heart and my love for him is something I wouldn't trade for anything. That is so good. That is so good. Um, lots of folks sharing um, lots of words in various ways um, with Thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. goodness, obedience, renewal, awaken, refine, sifted, uh, grace, patience, waiting, holy. It's really, it it could be anything. Like your word could be anything. That's one of the staggering truths. Um, about this. There's not a word that you could come up with that uh, there's not a word that God could put before you that wouldn't be a good word for the year because there's uh, every word is a word that um, points beyond itself to deeper realities and sometimes to its antithesis and um, on and on and on. Um, So I'm just really looking forward to the ways in which God's going to cultivate within us um, his word as we focus on a particular word of the year um, Vanitha, can we pray for you before you go today? Sure. Hmm. Father, we come before you um, with our sister Vanitha lifted up in our cupped hands. So as we pray individually right where we are, Father, we place Vanitha um, in our hands and we lift her up to you. She is precious. And Father, she loves you. Uh, and we would ask that you would alleviate the um, the sources of decay or distress, those things that might depress. We ask, Father, that you would renew, that you would enliven, that you would enrich, that you would bless, that as she abides in you, as her roots go deeper and deeper down into the one who is the true vine, Jesus Christ, as she immerses herself in your word. Father, we ask that you would find in her and through her a harvest of righteousness unto yourself that is glory. And we thank you for her. In Jesus' name, amen. Precious sister, we'll talk with you. um, we'll, We'll talk with you at a future time. Okay. Yeah, blessings. That's Vanitha Reisner. She's the author of Walking Through the Fire. If you um, are in an experience of suffering, if you are on a long road and you wonder when it's going to end, Vanitha is a wonderful conversation partner for that journey. You can find her at vanitha.com. You can connect with um, the Facebook group that she engages with and obviously, um, you know, would recommend um, the helping, the hurting resource as well. All right, take a deep breath. It is Tuesday. Um, some of you have asked if on Tasty Tuesday or on Taste and See Tuesday, we could have a recipe. <laughs> sure. 
So I think I told you on a a recent, um, well, or semi-recent farm report, Friday farm report, that Jim planted like literally an acre of turnips so that the deer would have great stuff to eat. Well, yesterday he started bringing them inside. And so um, I am roasting turnips today and I am making turnip green pesto. So there you go. Uh, Roasted turnips, super simple. Peel them dice them, toss them with a little olive oil and some seasonings and roast them uh, 350 degrees for about an hour is what I do. But, you know, you you might have a roasting method you like better. Turnip green pesto, just uh, replace the basil with the turnip greens and and have at it. It's delicious. You can serve it on pasta or as a compliment to soup. There you go. There are two taste and see recipes. Let us break bread in such a way that Christ might be made known to others today. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.